This is Do We Like Movies. It's a podcast where two guys review individual movies, sequels, and occasional television shows. In this show, we talk about our experiences with them, and we answer the question, Do we like this movie? Welcome to Do We Like Movies. I'm your host, Angel. <laughs> and I am your robotic host, Javi. Or am I, brother? Who knows? <laughs> um, all right, so here we are. We're back at Blade Runner. Um, this is the 2017 sequel to that original uh, 1982 Ridley Scott movie. I was excited when this movie was coming out. And then I never watched it. <laughs> I Man, until... that movie looks sick. Ignores it for five years. <laughs> and um, I think I would have had the opportunity to watch it about a year ago, but I had a feeling we might get to it on this podcast. There are certain movies where it's like, it's not that I don't want to see them, but at some point I'm like, huh, maybe we'll get to it on the podcast. So I just kind of don't watch them until... <laughs> Until we end up reviewing it, and this is actually the case for one of those movies. Yeah, I have. I feel like we need to stop doing that because when then we watch the movie because we decide to review it by the time it's off of like one of the many streaming sites we already own. Isn't that annoying? Like when yeah. when when it's this movie has been on a streaming service for years and years and years, and then the one moment that we're about to review it on the podcast, it's gone. It's happened to us so many times, y'all. Like peek behind the curtain, it happened. It to happened us with Twilight. Twilight, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with Twilight, it happened with this because this was on Netflix for I swear to God, like two years. Uh, <laughs> and then it was on Max for years because it's a Warner Brothers movie. I know for real. Granted, Angel and I were literally talking about this right before the episode started. We both thought this movie was like during the pandemic. <laughs> Dude, this movie, yeah, I did not realize that this was a 2017 movie. It feels like mm-hmm. it came out more recently than that, but I must be tripping. Now, if you were a firm believer in Philip K. Dick and how timelines collapse in on each other, and you know, there's like that story where Philip claims he was like in San Diego and then like a like he blinks and the portal opened up and he saw ancient Rome collapse in on where he was. <laughs> Technically we're I guess we're just seeing you know we're just seeing the 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 ghost in the machine baby and we're just we're just Philip K. dicking it up, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but uh now this movie um I guess I got thoughts and okay. I was expecting to be a a fanboy of this movie, and it's really interesting that I, by the end of this review, I f- feel like I'm going to be contrarian. But I will see. We'll <laughs> see. What well, What was your experience, kind of leading up to Blade Runner twenty forty nine? I think I agree. I thought it was going to be one of those. Well, of course, this is going to be a really great movie. And uh, the first one was, but you know what? Even when we watched that first one a few weeks ago, for as good as I thought it was, for as great as you know, again, I owned the final cut for over de- over a decade, and I was really obsessed with this movie when 
I was taking film classes, like <laughs> um, I watched it and I was like, huh, this is really good. It's interesting. I don't know if I like it as much as I thought I liked it when I was younger. And for this one, I think I, I'm like, huh, this is good, but don't know if I like it as much. <laughs> Ultimately, it's not that I think these things are bad or that they're just not that good. I just, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I've, the thing that I'm kind of discovering with some movies that we watch on this podcast is I think I'm at a different point in my life now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and, and some of the things that I thought were so deep and so interesting like 10 years ago or 10 plus years ago I just I'm not sure if I feel the same way anymore and yes as I watch this movie I love the visual style of it I love that it does try to harken back to to some of that Ridley Scott like Blade Runner aesthetic mm, but man if it doesn't feel like it feels like the sequel to Blade Runner tries to be more of a by the numbers story movie. And I think that first one was so, especially the final cut was so kind of vague and I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a fever dream when I watch it. <laughs> I, I, the fact that this one has more of a story, you know, or a quote, like, so to speak, mm -hmm. it, it feels like it's connected, but not connected you know, and I don't know. It's it's it suffers from that legacy sequel thing where I'm like, yeah, this is okay. It's pretty good. Mm -hmm. I don't know how necessary it is. I think that's what I felt. I think I felt like yeah. I'm like maybe we just don't need this movie necessarily. It felt like Blade Runner was pretty open and shut and kind of closed the door on Decker and ah oh crap, what was her name? Rebecca, if I remember correctly. <laughs> like it, like it Wait, closed the Decker and who. From the first movie or from this movie? From the first movie. Uh, Rachel. Rachel, thank you. Yeah. I'm making. I I was close. There was an R in there, you know. <laughs> no. Okay. Shut up. We watched the movie like three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it felt like Blade Runner did a good job of closing that story and closing that loop, and kind of answering the questions that it needed to answer. And it didn't really leave anything, like. They didn't really leave anything hanging that you would want to hold on to, right? Like, there's certain movies where you love the environment and you want to live in it. And I think maybe it's because we are kind of on the dark side going towards <laughs> this, like, capitalist hellscape that is L.A. and Blade Runner. Like, I don't know. I really don't want to live in this world. <laughs> yeah. No, I felt like but... the last movie, it felt like it was predicting a lot of where the world is going later in it it's like it, it it it's like i think i even hearkened it a little bit to like something like back to the future too or like back to the future mm -hmm. right where it's like it, it's it's quaint and interesting to see the like the 1980s vision of what the future was supposed to look like and i think that blade runner obviously got he got a few things right you know like mm -hmm. it, we were talking about like the weather how like la is like rains a lot more now than it used to um and how we were living in a world where everything was so polluted that animals had all basically gone extinct like you know there was it was enough there was enough there that you're like huh this is this feels like such a well realized world and i think because it is kind of an original vision 
of, I guess, the Philip K. Dick story, but also just a great visual style of Ridley Scott. The sec this movie then feels a little bit more derivative and it mm-hmm. feels less original. And it feels more of like a modern interpretation of what a more modern futuristic time is going to feel like. Now, you did mention something I think is really important to talk about because it is. Unfortunately, whenever you talk about a legacy, when you talk about a franchise now, especially one where you're making a direct sequel years after like the source material. Um, there's always going to be that weird worry filmmakers are going to, are the, you know, are, are going to have where how much from the original story do you want to deviate from? How much are you willing to s- experiment with? Right. Mm-hmm. Because this movie very much does. I think you, you said it right. It's paint by the numbers. What a neo-noir sci-fi movie should feel like. And as a result, it feels like a, and I think you and I mentioned it offline too, where we were talking about how this feels like a weird offshoot of like a Blade Runner story, but not necessarily Blade Runner main continuity, right? Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like, I also, maybe that's part of it is that I feel like this movie played it very safe in some ways to try to keep so close to Blade Runner that it does um you know there is that carryover and there is that's that it still holds that feeling from the 1980s till now to 2017 well 2024 but um but at the same time it's like when you do like that it can also make a movie like you said feel very derivative it can make it feel very predictable not that this movie not that i'm accusing this movie of being predictable but you know, it, it, you could once once it gets going, you can kind of see where this is, where where the end destination is for this film, um, which is fine. Not the way I would have written it, not the way, not the story I would have wanted to tell. But hey, that's when I I did direct this movie. <laughs> so, and you know, that's the thing. We also don't want to poo poo all over this movie. If that's what it sounds like, because you know what? We got to give this movie its roses. It got nominated for Best Cinematography in the Academy Awards, nominated for Best Special Effects. I mean, it won, what else? Um, A bunch of British Academy Film Award nominations. I don't know if that counts for anything, those damn Brits. <laughs> and it has another follow-up series coming up on Amazon Studios later this year. So, I mean... Blade Runner as a franchise is definitely successful. Um, I just, yeah, I don't. Well, you know, we'll see. I think maybe we should just get into it, and maybe by the end of the by the end of the review, I'll have a better understanding of where I stand on uh, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Okay. All right. So the movie starts, you know, again, like thirty years after uh, after the original Blade Runner. Um, Same way with scrolling text attack from the future. Yeah. And our and our main character this time is Kay, who is played by Ryan Gosling. Um, and I guess K is short for KD6-3.7. So that was my are... best friend's name. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie is it it goes up front, right? The the upfront thing is our main character is a replicant. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to the last movie where it implied it. 
and then the final cut makes it pretty uh makes it pretty clear uh by the end of that movie that he was a replicant and uh and and we're you know he's basically he's a blade runner who is hunting you know older replicants older blade runners no <laughs> that would have been interesting but no, no that's what we get no um but yeah what, what this movie uh deposits is that after the fall of the terrell corporation because of uh the escape of rachel uh they're start up another company the wallace corporation ran by uh what's his name uh crap well oh what's what's the actor's name the joker <laughs> Oh, Jared Leto. There we go. <laughs> Jared Leto's Mr. Wallace, who then takes over the company, and literally nothing changes. They immediately start pumping out replicants all over again mm-hmm. to the point where they get to the Nexus 9 replicants, which is what K is. It feels <laughs> like we're very much in Force Awakens territory here. A little where bit. We're little going, bit. we're introducing new characters and we're taking some of the story in a different direction. But we're also in some ways doing we're in reboot, we're in remake territory as well. Mm-hmm. So it looks like Kay is sent to dispatch a replicant by the name of Sapper Morton at this farm. Uh where... played by the wonderful Dave Batista, who you and I both love as Damn professional great. wrestling fans. <laughs> And you know what? A lot of people gave Batista his roses in this film. They felt they really liked his monologue, even though he's in here like what five, ten minutes tops. I- I'm gonna say this, uh, because I don't know when I'm gonna be able to say it again. Well, we are gonna do Guardians of the Galaxy again pretty soon, but I think that Dave Batista is probably the best wrestler turned actor in terms of just skill. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like the most famous is clearly Dwayne Johnson, but but Dave Batista is the one who, out of him, John Cena, Dwayne Johnson, like he is going to be the first one of them to to snag an Oscar. I think. Really, you think so? I think so. Yeah, he's going to be the first pro wrestler, like a turned actor, that's gonna that's gonna make it there. Well, and kind of you know alluding to what you're saying, he. He does give a really a really good monologue here, very Rutger Hauer-esque in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, where he's talking about um how Kay can do his job so easily. And uh after they get into a brief fight, he like beats uh, pretty much Kay beats him. Um and you know, so and the, and there's a really you know, I love the line and I love the delivery. Uh, you do this because you've never seen a miracle before. And those words stay with Kay even after he kills uh, I was about to call him just Batista, but after he kills Morton, uh he begins investigating the farmhouse, finding um uh finding like different just like clues and like different things they had um laying around he also after investigating a tree on the farm he finds the remains of a female replicant that was buried deep like on the farmland and um it's it's later that we discover that actually the 
Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want to jump straight into that. Well, I mean, it kind of does, right? Because that's where, um, like, after into he, it. Yeah, because after he gets called, uh, he gets called back to LAPD or back to LA. Um, he finds out from his boss that they found a body, a body of a replicant down by that tree, which had a cesarean scar with a serial number. Which the serial number was what confirmed the body belonged to a replicant, and with a cesarean scar implying that this replicant gave birth. So now the robots can give birth. Yes. Oh, which God! Is, this is the next step in them becoming more human-like, right? Like, that is... In and this... I think it's interesting, too, in this movie. I think we talked about it last time, about how, you know, it, it felt like... Obviously, to humans, these replicants are considered a lower lower level life form. They are treated uh, in a way to where once you're no longer used to uh, of any use to us, you're going to be, you know, decommissioned basically by one mm-hmm. of your peers in many ways. Um, and that does feel a little bit genocidal, right? Uh, or, or uh, it, in terms of just like between humans and robots and. I think this one is obviously the natural next step is that we're is that they're becoming even more human like mm-hmm. as the generations and the years have gone by. Um and I do think it's interesting that we are clearly in the following, you know, a replicant throughout this movie and I think that the human characters in this series now in this movie are just increasingly more cruel than we even remember them in the original Blade Runner. Oh, absolutely. Like his uh K Superior on uh, Lieutenant Joshi believes that if this goes public, this would lead to like an all-out war between humans and replicants, which yeah, because like you said, up until now replicants are seen as kind of like a lower a lower life form. But now you went and created something so human like we that had you can them boss killed around. Yeah. <laughs> we had them killed because we did not want them thinking that they deserved workers' rights. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like and now we... <laughs> we find out that they can have kids? Mm-hmm. Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god. And then uh, we also get uh, a glimpse at kind of like this weird... I don't know what to call it. I guess it's kind of like a, a baseline test to see if K has been compromised by the action of killing other replicants. But he goes through this test, like a series of tests where they like read off different kind of like the the what's it called um the was it called the Meyer comp if I remember correctly? Uh Void Comp. Void Comp, thank you. Yeah, it's kind of like the Void Comp test where they like read off like this super aggressive reader is like reading off like a series of different statements and different things and and then k has to respond like certain key words um to see i don't know if he's still obeying or if he's paying attention like it, i think it's purposefully left very vague kind of what this test is like very much like the void comp um which is only becomes like i guess terrifying later on when you find out k's all over the place and actually like really close to going rogue <laughs> Um, but yeah, like this film, like right off the bat, something that you think would be introduced maybe in the third act of a movie like this, you know, 
the fact that replicants are be able to have kids and it's thrown at you like right in the first maybe 20 minutes of the movie that was batshit insane and also did not see that coming so <laughs> kudos for doing something different so in trying to find out where the child is because now he's been instructed to kill the child <laughs> Kyle, uh, Kyle, okay, <laughs> visits uh, the Wallace Corporation. <laughs> I know I'm just gonna rename everyone in this in this freaking franchise. <laughs> what? Kyle and Kyle and Rebecca. <laughs> Kyle and Rebecca. <laughs> so he goes to the Wallace Corporation to try to find uh, DNA archives, um, and what he's able to find is actually identifies Rachel um, from the first film. As uh the replicant that was uh buried under the tree, um so he uh, he ends up learning more about his romantic or Rachel's romantic ties with uh Deckard, and what we then find out is, well, not find out, but we also see like this really. Just I don't. Uh, it was creepy. I was very creeped out by it. the scene of uh of Jared Leto who plays Neander Wallace. Um, essentially, he wants to expand colonization and he wants to use replicants in order to do so. So it looks like he's trying to recreate Rachel, or I don't know. That's where that's what that's kind of like the feeling I was getting when he was like giving birth to these replicants back at the back at uh the Wallace Corporation. But he ends up uh picking his enforcer or commanding his enforcer love to go after Kay. Mm-hmm. Um and we also get to see kind of Kay's home life where it is very public knowledge that he is a replicant, and the neighborhood that he lives in does not like that at all. Yeah. Uh, they use the word skin job, which I guess is an equivalent of a racial slur uh, for uh, replicants. Yeah, which it I- feels very much like like he is hated for be. <laughs> I don't really want to go here, but and i'm and i'm not going to but you know what i mean like that version that member of a certain race that ends up turning against their own <laughs> no to yeah, yeah serve yeah. to serve whatever the you know the you know the 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 master race has asked right like it yeah, is it's, that he serves the ruling class he's right. he's yeah he's he's kind of a yeah, you don't want to use a certain word. And no. I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. But you know, you know, but and you don't have to say it. But you know, yeah. you know, you know what he is. He's a mm-hmm. traitor, considered a traitor by those around him. No, that's what it is. People consider yeah. him a race traitor, which in this case would be in this case would be like the other replicants. Yeah. Um. So we get to see kind of how he's vilified by the local community and just like the people in lo- his local apartment, um, or his apartment complex. And as he goes inside his uh, apartment, he has this small, um, you know, like broom closet that probably costs three thousand dollars a month or something. <laughs> 
But well, this is where we meet his AI girlfriend named Joy, played by Ana de Armas. And you see that she's kind of like she changes her style and you know there's like they do really cool effects with her uh because she's a projection where it's like you know they'll go to like hold hands but it kind of like goes through and then or like she'll sit on his lap and then she just kind of like floats through him and stuff and she'll like change her clothes and things like that um God, she's so gorgeous. <laughs> I just need to take some time to add that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little. There's something a little sad about it, right? Like it's it's mm -hmm. very, like they're not really close. Yeah, so. it's like they're they're they two, can't get so close. They're two machines that you know they have like this weird illusion of what a uh, what a what a relationship is supposed to be. Where, you know, he, where he calls her babe and they say, I love you and stuff. And like the, his gift to her for their anniversary is, uh, this module so that he can carry her so she can, uh, like project like outside of just her apartment. So like, she just doesn't have to be confined in the house all day. There's a really good series on, on Amazon. Uh, that's, uh, I think, I think Greg Daniels, who, who was, famous for making the uh for being like the creative force behind the office it's it's a dramedy it's you know part drama part comedy um starring robbie amell called upload and i swear to you kind of like the trying to be like together while understanding that you really can't be together like dynamic mm -hmm. of it that series like made me think of that series because mm -hmm. <laughs> i had like watched the the three seasons of it and I swear, like that is that is what if you want something that kind of captures the futility and uh, you know, kind of not not sadness, but just like difficulty behind like trying to be near someone that you physically cannot be near. I, I think it captures it in that way. So it definitely made me think of that while I was watching them. And I'm not gonna lie, that's where I thought this movie was gonna go. I honestly thought this film was then going to turn into K going rogue and trying to find like a body for joy yeah. and then them somehow escaping because they both appear human enough, you know, cause you know, like I know it's a joke, like where Josh, where, where Lieutenant Joshi says, Oh, you know, don't get banged up. Cause I'm not paying for your, I'm not paying for your like injuries or stuff like that. And then he actually does go home and stitch himself back up after he got stabbed. <laughs> um, so I was like, okay, like these are, these are two machines, two different kinds of machines that kind of exist, but can never really be together. But they both kind of want to experience what being human, a human is like, and they, they finally have a chance and I'm like, okay, so that was what this movie yeah, might try to deposit here that and that's on it that's honestly where i thought it was headed um and then they it, did it definitely it. goes in a, in different directions then because i swear watching this movie as we started it and we we're going through it i'm like man this is interesting it was kind of like the first movie where i'm like eh, this is interesting i guess where they're going they're really getting into like 
kind of the world and and this character and stuff like that mm-hmm. there was a part of me was just like okay but what's gonna happen next because i kind of need this to move uh-huh. <laughs> like i'm sorry and i'm sorry for those you know who who may have like really loved this movie and that's what you wanted us to review it yeah and again it doesn't mean it's a bad movie but man i feel like it drags in certain parts I mean, let's be real. It's a fucking. It's an almost three hour movie, yeah. like, and it feels every bit of its runtime. I'm sorry. Um. So Kay ends up taking Joy with her own to uh, revisit Morton's farm, where he's able to find a uh tree. Or what was it? Uh, not not the tree trunk. Uh, he recognizes. A tree trunk that has uh, a date carved into it, six ten twenty one. Um, so Kay is aware that replicant memories are completely can be completely artificial, as explained in the last movie. Uh, it creates kind of a buffer where it makes it easier for replicants to kind of accept the fact that they are replicants that they have some sort of fake memories, something to attach to and hold on to. However, uh, Joy believes that um, the memories he does have are actually his, um, including this dream that, or this dream slash memory that Kay has of being a little boy in an orphanage and playing with a wooden horse. And as he's getting chased by these other boys, he ends up hiding in one of the furnaces Um and ends up getting beaten by like John. He pretty much gets jumped by all these other kids, but he never gives up where the toy is, so he can like go back for it later. Um, and he's convinced that this dream is, or that this was just kind of a dream to which Joy believes is actually real. Which you know she deposits the possibility that what if you know what if K was the born was the one born to the replicant, and what if he actually was uh Rachel's uh son. Mm-hmm. Um. So later, Kay finds out that uh, two children were born on that date, six ten twenty one, um, and that they were identical except for their sex chromosome. Uh, but that only the boy listed, uh, the boy is listed as uh living. So he ends up tracking down the child to an orphanage, um, which he get you know he pretty much gets in the police car and they like fly. And, and this is where some of the best cinematography, I think, takes place because they're like flying towards like the Vegas desert. But you get such beautiful shots of them, like, you know, panoramic shots of them, like flying over horizons and just mm-hmm. um, you get the beautiful shots of them, like um, flying over those junk fields. Right. That like, seem yeah. to expand for miles. That's where it feels modern and you feel its budget because obviously, you know, in 1982, you could not do that. You're pretty much kind of stuck in 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 L.A. or or the B-roll footage of the Colorado mountains from <laughs> The Shining because of the, you know, uh, the the special effects limitations and, and budgetary limitations of the time. They were like, look at all the money we got now, bitches. <laughs> At this point, uh, some raiders end up attacking uh, Kay's uh, cruiser, uh, bringing it down using a big-ass harpoon gun. Um, when they try to raid the car and go after Kay, Kay immediately kills, like, three of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I love, like, because he's a replicant, it's like he moves with, like, very 
like surgical precision and it's really it looks really dope the way how he fights. Um so uh Kay ends up uh going to this orphanage where he meets um I guess I don't know what to call him, like the owner or the guy the guy that's pretty much making all these kids work. <laughs> pretty much the 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 boss of the sweatshop. And he uh, and Kay ask him for the records. Um, he responds that the records from that year are missing, that he doesn't have any. However, um, Kay recognizes this orphanage from his memories, and I think that's where he goes and he finds the toy horse that he'd hidden uh, as a child. So after Kay uh, finds the horse, he tracks down uh, this replicant memory designer by the name of Dr. Anna Stellin. And she pretty much confirms that his memories of the orphanage are not artificial and therefore real, um, which leads him to conclude that he's uh, Rachel's baby boy. Um, he ends up going back to the LAPD headquarters where he lies to uh, his boss, uh, Joshi, telling her that uh, he had killed the baby. Um, however, when he goes back and takes his, uh, his uh, test, it's revealed that he's really close to going rogue and she commands him to kind of hand over his gun badge, um, <laughs> his gun badge. And then <laughs> turn in your badge and your guns. And, uh, pretty much he gives him 48 hours to get himself a right to, uh, to do whatever he needs to do so that he can pass the test, mm -hmm. which again, not really explained what, exactly the test is looking for and not explained what he has to do but um there he's currently runs the very real possibility going rogue and possibly being uh killed himself uh when he finally gets back home uh he finds out that uh joy has hired a prostitute that he'd met earlier um when he was uh, kind of staking out doing a previous investigation uh, by the name of Mariette. And at first, um, at first, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kay is very apprehensive about it, but Joy assures him that uh, she wanted this and that she wants him to be with somebody like physically. Mm -hmm. So uh, they end up having a bit of the no pants dance. Uh, but Marriott ends up leaving a tracker uh on K for later. Uh, and it's funny because Joy, like the next morning, Joy's like, "All right, ho, time for you to leave." <laughs> like she gets mega pissed and kicks Marriott out of the um out of the apartment. Um, and Marriott kind of signing that uh Joy's just jealous that she you know can never do anything physical. Um. You know, we find out that Mariette is out part of the uh, replicant freedom movement, and that's the reason why she leaves uh, the tracker 4K. Um, he analyzes the toy horse and finds out that it's originally from the ruins of Las Vegas. And as he, you know, he, as he makes his way out there, he this is where he finally gets confronted by Deckard. Um. Decker reveals that uh, he's the father of Rachel's child and that he scrambled all the records to protect his kid's identity. Uh, but however, uh, Decker left the child to protect it from uh, being attacked. Uh, 
um, by any possible enemies, and it, it, the kid isn't being taken care of by the replicant freedom movement. So this entire time, Love has been tracking down and following what Kay's been doing, and finally kind of makes her move. So she begins by confronting Joshi, uh, just kind of as a, a member of the Wallace Corporation, where she ends up killing uh, Joshi at LAPD. Uh, she then continue, uh, proceeds to track down Kay to Las Vegas, where she ends up kidnapping uh, Deckard and destroys Joy. Um, and after kind of blasting Kay, leaves him to die. Uh, using the tracker, uh, the replicant uh, freedom fighters are able to rescue Kay, along with their leader, Freysha. And they tell him that Rachel's child was a girl. Kay understands that he is... Guess he's not Rachel's baby anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he does deduce that Celine is actually uh the child and that the that the memories that he actually had were those of uh the doctor. And that they were implanted um and that yeah, she was pretty much implanting those uh memories within uh the replicants she was designing herself. Um to prevent Deckard from leading Wallace to Staline or the movement, um, to kind of like, um, you know, obfuscate the truth, um, Euphrasia asks uh, Kay to kill, go and kill Deckard. Uh, Love ends up taking uh, Deckard to meet Wallace, who offers uh, Deckard a clone of Rachel in case he wants to go down to Poundtown one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so Decker refuses and Love ends up killing uh clone Rachel in front of uh Decker. Uh she ends up uh taking Decker to go get interrogated. However, Kay ends up getting the drop on her and ends up killing like the ends up killing uh Love and the group. Um well before he kills love though he like more first he morally wounds her and then ends up drowning her i believe <laughs> which i was like damn that's fucking intense <laughs> uh but however um uh you know unable to kill deckard uh k ends up uh staging deckard's death uh to protect him from wallace as well as uh the freedom movement uh before he takes uh, Decker to Celine's office, um, handing her like the toy horse that uh well belonged to, I guess both of them. Mm. And as Le as uh, Kate lies on the steps, kind of waiting for his own, I guess death. Uh, Decker goes into the uh, building so that he can meet his his daughter for the first time. And roll credits. That is Blade Runner 2049. I... <laughs> I... Angel! Did you... You know what? Do you like Blade Runner 2049? Uh, yes. Yes, I do. I do like Blade Runner 2049. I thought the story was interesting enough when it gets by do i recommend it to other people i think other people will like it do i personally think it's that great yeah 
you know, I think the the question we ask ourselves is, do we like this movie? And I guess I like it okay is really the best way I could say it. Again, it's not necessary. Like, I feel like this movie, the thing about Blade Runner is I think Blade Runner is, even, even if it's not the greatest movie of all time, it made such an indelible mark on film that like you you to this day you see like you know we talked about it in that episode that you see like the remnants of that movie in other movies you see it in something like batman begins you see it in even matt reeves the batman you see it in stuff like even that weirdo 93 super mario brothers movie felt like blade runner like it is such a like the style of it has been has been ripped uh you know, ripped off so many times for so many different movies um that i you know obviously you can't tell the story of cinema without including something like that in terms of just creating an alternate world that you want to go live in or 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 at least like you're interested in seeing not that you want to live in because it's so grim and nihilistic but this one again it 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 does really good stuff it still looks really great the story, I think, I think a younger audience probably, I think there's a fair amount of people that probably saw this before they even saw the original Blade Runner. Um, mm-hmm. And I think if you're someone who saw this when it came out or was maybe into Blade Runner around the time that this came out, I think it might feel more connected and you might feel like it's more necessary. I just kind of don't. And that's... A bummer for me because obviously I love Harrison Ford. I love Ryan Gosling. You know, you, you and I are fans of his. We love the stuff he does. But again, I know you rewrote the entire ending to drive for him. <laughs> again, this movie just feels long. It feels really long. It, it's 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 not interesting enough to me. Like I had to rewatch this a couple times, or like you rewatch certain parts of it a couple times to kind of get it, and I just don't know. I think I'm just not the target audience for this anymore. So mm-hmm. uh, definitely recommend it for people who are listening to this show. Who are, I mean, people who are listening to this show probably have already seen it. I think it's good. I think it's worth a watch. So I'm gonna say yes, it is worth a watch to see, mm-hmm. especially if you love or if you like the original Blade Runner. I think it is very worthwhile a watch. Am I going to come back to it? Probably not. Am I going to come back to the original Blade Runner? I'll probably go back to that movie before I ever come back to this one. And that's really the best way that I can say it. Do mm-hmm. you like Blade Runner 2049? I don't know. And I thought I would know by the end of this <laughs> review. <laughs> it's hard because this movie drags. And yeah. that is one of like the worst things about this film is that every scene feels like it drags on and on, and it sucks because these are really interesting characters. Mm-hmm. I I find the dynamic between Kay and Joy to be very interesting, and I honestly thought that was going to be the center of the story. Which I mean, I'm also cool that it's not. I do think the idea of a replicant human hybrid being born is also just as interesting um and it actually raises a lot more questions now (laughs) as far as the world goes and the lore of blade runner but um i just i feel like like you said at the i felt like this movie was trying to play it too safe and ends up being kind of 
just just kind of an above average movie at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. That being said, definitely that's the best like, way to describe it for me. I'm like, glad that you said it that way. Like we're not gonna. I, there's not enough here for me to bash on it and say I didn't like it because there was like the cinematography is great, the CGI is great, the you know the costume designs are great. Like the way they were able to dress the settings, everything looks cool. And I think this this movie does a good job of capturing capturing what it feels like to be in the world of Blade Runner, and I think that looks fantastic. But unfortunately, yeah, it's just ultimately, like you said yourself, I'm not going to come back to this movie too often. I do recommend everyone at least check it out once just because it is, you know, it's a sequel to a cultural touchstone that has impacted cinema and that has impacted sci-fi, you know, and has left, um, has left like uh, its fingerprints all over. So I definitely do think 2049 is worth checking out. Um. Yeah, but I don't see myself watching this movie more than like maybe once a year, if that you know. Uh, yeah. So we'd like to thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show. Um, I know that some of you might be asking, "Hey, weren't we doing a theatrical Mean Girls movie?" Uh, in between these two films, and I kind of think that we should uh address that here while we're while we're here um we went to go watch mean girls mm-hmm. 24 and we discovered very quickly while watching it that it's basic like if you're talking about something like this that mm-hmm. feels like a bit of a remake in time in in other times what i wasn't aware of is that mean girls 2024 was a shot for shot remake of, of shot for shot of remake girls. musical <laughs> yeah which again i got no problem with musicals i love the music that was in it and it was great i think what we discovered very quickly when we watched that movie though is that we were not going to be able to have enough material to discuss this especially because we just did mean girls last year um it was so it, it is so fresh in my mind that i just don't know that we could have carried a one-hour conversation on something like that if that makes sense um, so we did strike it from the uh, from the release schedule, and we we hope that you, that it's okay with you guys. Um, it's not because we didn't like it; it's just because at least I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good when I saw it, and I to anyone who likes musicals, I would recommend it. Um, but I just don't think that it it gave us enough material to have a complete separate episode for it. If not, raise your own replicant army to try to <laughs> overthrow our fascist regime. Now, now that we've discussed that, I hope you are ready because speaking of musicals. Oh, no. <laughs> next week, Avi, you and I Uh-oh. are for the first time ever going to watch Cats, which oh, like, fuck. came out in 2022. And, um, it, this was rec- this was requested by a listener and <laughs> and I will I will Ooh. reach out to this listener Who is this listener we need to, <laughs> I'm gonna tar and feather them <laughs> it's funny when I mentioned to my wife that this is what we were watching next week I think the first thing she asked was which listener asked for this and are they okay is everything okay in their <laughs> home that this is the movie that they've asked for 
Um, so next week we're going to be doing cats guys. Uh, so get ready. If you, if you want us to see, if you want to hear us cover a musical, well, guess what? You're in love. <laughs> it's going to be like the Idris Elba clip where he, he's burning up on hot ones. And he goes, Oh, who, who picked the sauce? Chris. Oh, let me ask you something, Chris. Do you know how to fight? <laughs> yeah. That's gonna be me with whatever listener this is. <laughs> nope, it actually feels more like to me. Like you ever see that uh, that video clip of uh, Keith David <laughs> where he he's uh, he he's like I forget which movie it's from. I think it's from like a one of the horror comedy movies that he made <laughs> where he <laughs> just yells, "Welcome to hell, motherfucker!" <laughs> ah! <laughs> that is where I feel like I'm going next week. Oh my god. Uh yeah, so please continue to interact with us on social media. Uh leave us comments, leave us send us messages on our Instagram uh if you want to interact with us. Please uh leave us reviews and and rate the show on Apple Podcast. Please rate the show on Spotify if you can. Um and uh yeah, we look forward to continuing this uh are you know this this first five months of nothing but user uh, movie requests uh, when we do this movie next week? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's gonna but it's gonna get cool because then uh, after we do cats, then we're gonna jump into Howard the Duck. So I'm very excited of where we're going in the month of March. You know, we're finishing up February now and we're jumping into March, and uh, I'm very excited uh, for us to continue. Uh, you know going through these episodes and i think i've got we've got other stuff that's going to be coming down the pike at the end of the year that i think is going to be really good as well so uh thank you guys for joining us for this episode of the show we love you guys we can't wait to talk to you guys next week uh when uh when we're reviewing our next movie and uh we really appreciate you guys hanging with us while we kind of navigate at least some schedules and you know the fact that we did have to strike an episode here so mm-hmm. um, we appreciate you guys for for joining us on this journey and we'll talk to you guys next time later y'all